Good morning. All right, Justin, because uh, I can't ever remember. What's Danny and Teresa's address? You don't know? It's close to you. It ain't on the same road. It's Marison. 209 Marison Road. M A R R I S O N. Danny can spell. <laughs> 209 Marison Road. All right. I say that because that's where we will be next Sunday. We will not be here. We will be at the crosses unless there's a downpour, all right? Now, if it's going to be a downpour, we will be here, so kind of keep an eye on it. Uh, but uh, if you want to see the sun come up and we're praying, and I need y'all to be praying uh, that we have a sunny day next Sunday, uh, it, the sun coming over those trees is something to see, uh, and and. Worshiping together is, 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 is just experience. Unless you come and, and try it, you, you won't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, if you want to see the sun rise, and it's going to be a pretty day, I'd suggest being there by about 6.45, no later than 7. Sun, official sunrise is uh, 7.09, I think, based on what I saw. Y'all know normally... Uh, when it says that, it's going to start getting sunny about 30 minutes prior to that. So you bring your lawn chairs, bring your jackets. Best thing to do is have like a waterproof shoe or boot on. Uh, bring some uh, covers so you'll be comfortable. Not enough to where you go to sleep, but just where you'll be comfortable. <laughs> and uh, so we will be there. Won't be any, any donuts or coffee or anything like that. So if you're hungry or drink coffee, bring your own. Uh, but we'll be at 209 Marison Road, okay? So put that in your GPS, look it up, and uh, get there early, okay? Debbie said, and she'll come up later uh, uh, to let you know, but the ladies, their prayer things, doing both groups, and you're going to meet at the crosses to pray. So, But I'll let her uh, emphasize that. A little bit later. This has been a week. I've been taking care of puppies, and if y'all know me, I, I I do it right, so it's a lot of work. And all week I've had back pain to a point where I, my mother had kidney stones. I've never had kidney stones, but I think I think I've got one. Uh, so well, I've I've known it this week. Uh, Today is the first day I hadn't had any back pain. Now, last week I was coughing a lot. Debbie also said last week, said, you might not want to go, but I came, and, and here's the strange thing. Got up here, I didn't cough a time during preaching, and when preaching was over, I didn't get past first row, and I had a coughing fit. So I'm hoping and praying today that when I get through preaching that the back pain don't come back. So, <laughs> But I don't know. So uh, anyway... I don't know if it was muscular. I've had muscle strains and pulls, and I've never felt anything like this pain. So y'all, y'all pray that if it is stone, I'll pass that booger, and then we'll get, we'll get back to the, between the stone and the puppies. I can't handle much more. <laughs> so anyway, 
So uh, let's go to Lord in prayer, and then we'll get, get into God's word. Lord, we love you. We thank you be able to sing and celebrate, celebrate this time of year, uh, but celebrate knowing how much you love us. If we truly try to comprehend what Easter means, there's no question the extent of your love for us. And so, Lord, because of that, I pray that it would uh, change the way we look at life and the way we think to try to be more like Jesus each and every day. Lord, I know that's a hard task, an awesome task, but I'm thankful that we have your word, your Holy Spirit, Jesus' life to help us navigate, to help us uh, see how we can be like Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray today that your word would become alive. It would get our attention, and that, Lord, your spirit would be heavy in this place. And Lord, I pray that and ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Last couple times that I've had an opportunity to speak, I've talked about the small things in life that, that God's a part of. And last week, I talked about the big things that God did scripturally and the big things that, that I've seen God do in various situations about feeding a large number of people, about uh, showing up and showing out. And, and we as God's people need to be uh, aware of those things. Now, I grew up in a time, and I'm not saying this bad about my mom and dad, but my mom and dad took me to church, and our generation, that was mainly what it was about. It was about going to church, the preacher, or if you were fortunate enough to have a youth minister or children's leader, for them to kind of get you pointed or headed in the right direction. And so for the longest time, for me, it was about being in church and being good, now, I accepted Christ when I was 10 years old, but I've said this from here, and I want you to understand that. When I accepted Christ, when you accept Christ, that's just the beginning. That's just the start. Spiritually, you are a little baby. And so when I accepted Christ at 10 years old, I needed direction. I needed people to encourage me and tell me what God moments were. And... And I really didn't have that. And I had some great Sunday school teachers that told me the stories of the Bible. But uh, uh, one of the first God moments that I remember, uh, my uncle lived with me. My grandmother and my uncle lived with us. And I thought that was just the way everybody's family was. I thought that's what everybody's family looked like. And so my dad traveled a lot, so my uncle was like a, a dad to me. He'd carry me to get ice cream and comic books and, and buy me things. And so he, he, he was around really more than my, my father. And so when I was around 11 or 12, he got real sick heart problem-wise. And at that time, kids couldn't go into the hospital, so I didn't get to see him, but I knew it was serious because my mom and my dad sat me down and, and let me know that more than likely my uncle wasn't going to be coming home. It didn't look good. And it hurt me. And so I can remember going to bed and crying, 
praying because I love my uncle. And I prayed for two or three nights. I cried myself to sleep praying. And I say that to say this. Uh, my uncle came home. And he got better. And we look at things like that. I, as, as a child, even though I prayed, looked at what the doctors did. Looked at what medicine did. And, and we can see in the Bible where he is in the healing business. Now, I'll tell you something. Uh, he eventually passed away. You and I live long enough, we will eventually pass away. But I'm telling you, looking back, for me, that was one of my first God moments because even at that time, I did feel like God had answered my prayer. But nobody sat me down and said, you know, that's a God moment. That's, that's what spirituality is. That's what a relationship with God looks like. And I, I say this as we celebrate Easter. We should sit our children down when, when things happen that we know God is a part of. I've shared with you many times, not long after that, several years couple years, uh, I was in the youth group and at Cherokee Avenue Baptist Church. Uh, every year they would have youth week where the youth was in charge. So they'd have a youth that was the pastor. They'd have a youth that was the choir director. They had a youth that was a Sunday school director. They, they had youth in all the positions and then all the youth would teach in Sunday schools and so this particular year, my phone rang, and I to, I've told, if you've been here long enough, y'all have heard this story, but it's a profound thing for me in my life. It may be a small thing for you, but it was a big thing for me. Uh, phone rang, and one of my friends was on their little committee that, that got things together. And Jack, we want you to give your testimony. Now, I was like 14, 15 years old. I don't have how much, much of a testimony. You know what I'm saying? And I was going to Gaffney Day School. I think we had four people in my class. At Youth Week at Cherokee Avenue, anytime we had something big, they'd bring out and put chairs in the aisles. It wasn't anything for them to have anywhere between four or 500 people on any given Sunday. So y'all know my answer. I was like, no. So I thought that was the end of it. So two or three days later, my friend called me again. Jack, we want you to give your testimony. I'm like, no, didn't you hear me the first time? So two or three days later, evidently she couldn't get nobody to do it. <laughs> two or three days later, phone rings, pick it up. She, it, she's at it again. Uh, she ended up calling me like four or five times to the point where I was like, I want her to quit calling me. So finally, out of her breaking me down and sheer stupidity, she called and I said, okay, I'll do it. And then the day came where I had to sit up there with all the rest of the young people that were speaking. And for the first time, I do it a lot now. If you've ever done that, if you sit in this, this crew, it's one thing to be uh, out there looking this way. If you ever get up here and look at all the eyes that are looking this way, it's a big difference. <laughs> I'd never experienced that to that day. <clears throat> My dad sat in what they call the Amen Corner of Cherokee Avenue, 
And he told me afterwards, he said, son, I could see your knees shaking on the back row. <laughs> and he was right, because I'm telling you, I was literally scared to death to a point. One of the first times I'd ever prayed and I meant business was when my uncle was sick. It's one of the first times I can remember praying to God and meaning, meaning business. <clears throat> Second time I prayed to God and meant business was at you Sunday. Up on that stage, and I can remember vividly, I bowed my head and I said, God, I can't do this. If you want me to do this, you best do something because I'm scared to death. And I'm telling you, that Sunday, when I stood up, I can only tell you what happened. But when I stood up, it was as if a rushing wind came into my body. The nerves went away. And all I can tell you is that me and God together got through it. Now, nobody sat me down and said, you've experienced an extreme deal with God. And I was young enough to the point where I didn't understand it, and I really and truly didn't know what just had happened, that God had completely taken control, and that I'd experienced a God moment that should be life-changing and has been, but could have been even more the day that it happened. Had somebody sat me down and talked about that relationship with, with God, being deeper than, than coming to church, being deeper than being uh, baptized, being deeper than being a Sunday school member, but knowing and watching and seeing when God shows up and God shows out. Not too long after that, I had another experience I started dating a girl, and we dated for about three years, and we decided to go to the same college, and we got to the college, and we broke up because we'd been dating for three years and because we'd been talking about getting through college and getting married. I didn't see anything at the end of that, and when we broke up, I stopped going to class. I started sleeping late. And I stopped studying, and I stopped reading my Bible. And I was in a deep despair. And I can remember after we broke up about two weeks later, late at night, I'd went to check the mailbox, and I come back. My roommate was hardly ever in the room. And I remember laying on my bed and looking at my desk. It was piled with books. And I saw my Bible. And I don't know why, because I hadn't picked it up in two or three weeks. I reached over and picked it up. And some of you have had this happen to you before. I, I didn't get a devotion book. I, I didn't say, well, I'm going to turn to John. I'm going to turn to Matthew. I didn't really know where to turn. But I just opened my Bible, and it turned to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read it a little further in depth in a little while. But it said, all things happen for the good of those who love God and who are called to his purpose. Now, here was a broken-hearted teenager that needed those words. 
that needed that tap on the shoulder. It was another God moment in my life that I experienced, and I can share with you and tell you the reality of it. Until you have moments like that, then you can only hear a story. Just like the story I shared last week about uh, impact and, and spaghetti and sauce that lasted even though it was down to the end. You see, I can share that story, but until you experience things like that, that's all it is. It's a story. For me, when I share it, I go back to the times when, when it happened, and it's as real to me, and, and some of y'all get tired of hearing me tell these stories, and y'all already know when I say this, I'm going to tell them to the day I die. Because God has shown up in my life, just like when I read the stories in this book, whether they're written in red or they're not. The reality of a relationship with him is real today. The reality of God healing is real today. The reality of God showing up when you don't have money in the bank account. The reality of God showing up when you and your wife look at each other and say, I hate you. I want a divorce. The reality of, of, of looking at a loved one and knowing that they're going to breathe their last. It's okay when you have a relationship with the King of Kings. In the Lord of Lords, and you're not just sitting in a, in a pew or in a chair, and you're not just raising your hands, you know the reality of the relationship. I've shared this with you three and a half years ago when I had my heart issue. Yes, I was anxious. Yes, I was scared. But when they put me on that heart cath table, I've told y'all this, I was scared, I was nervous, but I had God's peace. Now, I can't explain that other than to tell you that's the truth of the reality. And that's my God. That's the God that I hope you worship. That's the God that I hope you've had those same, similar type experiences. Helping a teenage boy get through youth week, that's a small thing. Let me go ahead and tell you, since I was the youth and I was scared out of my britches, and I probably had to clean my britches, <laughs> while most people in that day and time looked at it probably as a small thing, it was a huge thing to me. And that's why today I stand before you and I brag on Jesus for showing up, for the Holy Spirit showing out and being real in a teenager's life. And it's been consistent. Debbie can tell you, I can tell you, God moment after God moment after God moment. I've shared with you this story and, uh, not too long ago. Y'all know that I'm a dog man. I got the puppies now, uh, uh, my Male before I had Dewey Ranger had cancer. He had arthritis. And when I went to the doctor, the, the doctor said, you need to take his leg off. It was going to be one of the back legs. He had arthritis in both legs on the front. He's 10 or 11 years old. 
I never will forget, I looked at the doctor and I said, Doctor, if we take that leg off, will he be able to walk? He'd been sleeping in the garage. I'd been leaving the door open. He'd been lethargic. I was having to physically pick him up, carry him out to use the bathroom. Y'all know I love my dogs. I'm thankful that what, and our special needs hadn't been here for a long time. I'm thankful that our special needs, if you'll watch, can teach us more about God than we can teach them. But God's done the same thing with my dogs. He's taught me a lot about my relationship with him through my dogs. And while that's a small thing to a lot of people, it's a huge thing to Jack Phillips. Now, when Ranger was a puppy, he was the first high-blooded dog that I'd, I'd purchased Debbie and I went to DeCoin, Illinois to pick him up. We got there, and we had a pillow that we sat between us in the truck. I picked him out, and we put him on that pillow, and when we started driving, as long as the truck was moving, he slept. We'd stop, and he'd wake up. We'd let him pee and poop. We'd get back in the truck, put him on that pillow, and we'd ride down the road. He slept. That was the beginning of our journey. We hunted together. We did hunt tests together. And then when he got cancer and I was going to take it that, or deciding to take that leg off, I had friends of mine saying, well, I wouldn't do that. I just, I had some people, they'd be so bold, they'd look at me and go, well, I'd just put a bullet in him. And I look at him and go, well, you ain't me. So I was debating what to do. And I looked at the doctor and I said, does it need to be done today? He said, no. Uh, think about it over the weekend. So I left there and I prayed. I asked God to show me. Many of you have heard this story. We were at that time at the movie theater, so we was pulling the trailer and setting up and tearing down and and I pulled the trailer that particular day. I had left him in. I'd taken him out to, to use the bathroom before I went to church. He was not moving much. And so I pulled in that day after service. And I stopped the car. And all of a sudden, I saw something in peripheral vision to my right. And it was Ranger. Ran out the door, circled the truck, and I put my foot down to get out, and he took his head and nudged me like in days of old, saying, love me, Daddy. Pet me. And I can't tell you How much that was an answered prayer that had started that Thursday. God, show me what you want me to do. You want me to take the leg off, I'll take it off. If you want me to put him down, 
if he's going to suffer, if he can't walk, let me know. And I won't like it, but I'll put him down. And I'm telling you, I knew what God was doing when he ran out that door. So I called Monday morning and I said, we're going to take his leg off. So Thursday or Friday of that week, I can't remember why, I think it was Friday. He said, bring him in, drop him off. You'll pick him up that afternoon. So I dropped him off at 8 o'clock in the morning. I went to pick him up at 3 o'clock. And on three legs, he walked out of that vet's office. Now, here's the other thing. The cancer came back, and he died 11 months later. I had to put him down. And you could say, so why? Why? What? Why 11 more months? Why couldn't you just do it then? Why spend the money? Debbie was working then. She'd go to bed. I'd go out in the garage. For all of his life, he ate dog food. That was it. For those last 11 months, he ate sausage. He ate steak. He ate grits. Whatever Deb had left over, he ate. I'd go outside. I got a big old kennel, and I'd crawl in the kennel with him and just pet him and love on him. And I had 11 months to say goodbye. I had 11 months to let him know from day one, riding on that pillar, buddy, it's been me and you. And I've said this many, many times. If God cared about me and a black lab named Ranger, he cares about you and whatever you're going through right now. It may be sickness, it may be money, it may be kids. He cares. And he's real. These scriptures point to that. John chapter 14, starting with verse 21. Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. And my Father will love them, and look, we will come and make our home with each of them. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit promises right here that he would make his, their home with you and I. Now, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything 
and remind you of everything I've told you. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit on my dumbest day can help me know what God wants to do in my life. And that might not be specifically today, but if I keep watching and waiting, maybe in seven days, maybe in a month, maybe in two months, but if I'm patient enough and I seek God, he will show me. John chapter 15, starting with verse 1, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. God wants you and I to be fruit bearers. God wants you and I to be fruit producing. And when I say fruit producing, he wants us to look like Jesus. And when we produce fruit, he wants us to have kids and grandkids that look like Jesus. If we take them to church, guess what they're going to look like? Hello? No. If you take them to church and that's it, they're going to look like church. Now, don't miss this. If they look like church when they get to college, you don't see them anymore. And mom and dad, you wonder why, and they look at you and go, that's what church looks like. I don't think I want that no more. But when we sit down with kids and grandkids and we discuss the reality of not being perfect, but when God shows up and God shows out, they can understand that. Trust me, they can understand it. They get it. But they see the reality of Jesus in our lives. We don't have to say anything. Now, it's good to say things, but whether we do or not, they see the reality of where we are. God wants us to be fruit bearers. Verse 3 You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, here's what I would recommend. Today, if you sit here and you go, well, you know what? I really don't know if I'm producing spiritual fruit in my life or not. There are so many people in this building that would sit down with you at Starbucks or Firehouse or Cracker Barrel, or here at the building, or at your home, or at their home, there'd be so many people that would sit down with you and, and be able to say, well, you know what? Here's the fruit I see in your life. People that are truthful. Now, here's the thing. Those are people you don't want to sit down with if you don't really want your feelings hurt, okay? Because the reality of it is if there's no fruit, they'd be truthful with you. And they'd say, well, you know what? Right now, I just see you at church. That would be a start. 
Now, for whatever reason, sometimes we don't do that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Power. Power in Jesus. Power in the relationship. Verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. Romans, the passage that I was referring to, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Isn't that comforting? How many of you ever felt weak physically, spiritually? No, I have. It says in our weakness, the Holy Spirit helps us. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Isn't that something? What does that, what does that mean? That means when you pray, if we're, if we're Christian and we have God, the Holy Spirit kind of interprets what you say. Now, I've never been across... A, a Overseas, I've never been on a mission trip that led me to Brazil or, or any other country like that. I've seen it on video where a preacher will get up there and he'll, he'll, he'll say something, and then an interpreter over here will go, blah, 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 and he's letting the people know what he said. That's the visual of this passage of Scripture. When you and I are weak, and when you and I think our prayers aren't making sense. This passage of Scripture is so powerful. It's saying that the Holy Spirit's standing there going, God, Todd Moss means this. Might sound like something else, but this is what he means. Pete, Pete Garner, he's talking to you, God. And, and this is what he's trying to say. I like the fact that the Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf when I'm weak and when I feel like I'm not making sense. I'm thankful for that. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Here's the passage that I was referring to earlier in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now, I didn't see those other passages of Scripture that day. I opened up the Bible, and for whatever reason, my eyes hit Romans 8, 28, and it says this, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and called according to the purpose for them. All things. Now, when I read that, and it talks about things happening to me, that's the bad along with the good. And here's what happened. When bad things happen, I got to see what God's doing in and around me to make sure that I stay in his will. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him 
and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. When he's talking about them, he's talking about anybody that believes in Jesus. And the question is, have we walked far enough in our journey with Christ to have the mature legs to know when we have a God moment? For me, I went to seminary. I was studying to be a a recreation, church recreation director. That's what I was studying for. Fort Worth, Texas. That's what I thought I was going to end up being. I got there, and y'all, many of y'all have heard this story. I got there, and these men and women that I became close friend with started talking about a call on their life, and they might as well have been talking. I needed an interpreter. They were talking French. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? You see, I made a decision. That's what I wanted to do. Well, about a year, year and a half into my journey, I realized that I was there, but God had not called me to be there. Now, looking back on it, it was God's intention for me to be there. It was a way to learn, but I was not called to be a minister at that time. And so I left. I look back on those times with Debbie and, and I see how God orchestrated everything because, see, I wasn't a big book learner. And I left there, and I told God. When I left, I said, now, you want me back in the ministry, all you got to do is show me. But now here's the deal. When I said that, guess what I thought? I'm going to leave Fort Worth, Texas, and God going to leave me alone. And then he showed back up. God moments. God moments that are real. We, we call, we see his glory. I ended up coming back to Gaffney and becoming friends with Budley Millwood because God transformed his life, and he used experiencing God to do that. I'd been to seminary, but once I took experiencing God, that's the catalyst for me. And many of you have taken experiencing God, and it may not have done anything for you. Now, I've seen people that have been through it, and when they got through it, I was like, hmm, that didn't help. But there's seven realities. I'm going to read four of the realities. Number one, and this was with me. That was with me with, with, with my uncle. That was with me with, with, with my dog, with, with the youth ministry thing. Number one, God is always at work around you, always, 24-7. When you're at work, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, number one, God is always at work around you. When you're at work, do you watch to see what God's doing? When you, have, when you get mad at work, you get mad at a coworker, are you watching to see how, do you give that to God? Or do you try to, do you try to work things out? Because you see, God is always at work around you. At Tempkin, at Freightliner, wherever you are. Number two, I like this one. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that's real and personal. Let me go ahead and tell you something. 
It may be a small thing to you, but when God answered my prayer through my dog, let me go ahead and tell you something. That's a huge thing for me, and I will brag on him till the day I die. Because it's real and personal. I don't, listen here, I'm sharing this with you today. If you walk through that door and you don't believe a word I say, then heaven help you, I don't care. I'm telling you the truth, and you can take it for what it is. I'm lying because I do care. I want every person in this room to get it. And it be real, genuine, and continuing. Now, here's the thing. You can't be in charge of your life and have that. You got to let go. And it ain't easy. Some people will tell you it's easy. It's not. Number three, God invites you to become involved with him and his work. That's mind-blowing. His work is eternal. His work will last forever. And he wants you to be involved with it. What does that look like? Loving him, giving him everything you got, and when you got an opportunity, bragging on him with everything you got. And then the last one, number seven, and a lot of people never get to the seventh reality. And the seventh reality says this, you come to know God by experience. Now, here's what what I've told you is some experiences of mine. And here's what I want you to understand. My faith is not based on my experience. My experiences have come because of my faith. And don't miss that. Okay? The faith comes, and then if you watch, and you mean business, the experiences will come. And when, trust me, when you have a a God moment, when you have an experience One, two, three, four, and they start piling up on one another. You come to know God as you obey him, and then he accomplishes his work. His work, not my work, not your work. His work through you. And some of us never get to the experience part. Well, I went to church today. How was the sermon? That's all right. 4.5 out of 10. (laughs) Next Sunday, I might go hunting or fishing or might do something else. That was Budley Millwood. He was a fisherman. Some Sundays you saw him, some Sundays you didn't. Then all of a sudden you started hearing, there's something different about Budley Millwood. And all of a sudden you look in the back at Cherokee Avenue, everybody had their select seats, you know. Some of y'all here do that too. <laughs> but but here, here's what I could tell you. You knew if Budley was there or not because you looked at that one particular chair. And then all of a sudden, every Sunday, that was Budley. That was Budley. And then you start continuing to hear, you know, that dadgum Budley's on fire. What are you talking about? You know that dude that always leave church to go fishing? 
Man, he, he, there's something different about him. I'm telling you. To a point where I got close to Budley. And don't miss this. I'd been to seminary. But getting close to Budley got me closer to Jesus. You come to know God by experience. As you obey him. And he accomplishes his work through you. Budley got me in experiencing God. And here's what happened. I experienced God like I sure didn't in, in seminary. And I started looking at my relationship with God. And I started looking at church a whole lot different. I'm thankful that God used Budley Millwood in my life. Now, I was saved at 10 years old. But I was older in my late 20s, early 30s when the light popped on. If I'd have died, I'd have went to heaven, but I'd have missed out on a whole lot. I'm thankful that there come a time when the light went, boop, okay, I got it. Now, when I say I got it, I started understanding things. Now, did that mean I was perfect? No, far from it. It just made going down the road a whole lot easier. Where are you? Some of you here today may know, been in church, but you need to surrender because you've been in control of your life. You got to let go. All I can do is tell you and encourage you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for loving us in our good days and our bad days. I thank you for providing small things, big things, which in the end are all big things. And I pray the day when we leave here that we would be able to recognize them more and more, clearer and clearer, day by day. And God, we pray that. And look, first, let me ask. I pray, Lord, if there's one here today that needs you to be in their life and needs to be submissive to you, today's the day that they need to admit that you, Lord, that, that you would let them feel that same thing I did, that rushing wind, that, that, that fiery touch. And I pray that today would be today. God, I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.